0: I want to go to an Old Testament story or portion of Scripture that is in First Chronicles. Now, Chronicles is more of a history book, you know, books of history of the church, <clears throat> of the people of Israel, actually. Um, and, and yet, tucked away in First Chronicles is actually pretty much something that feels very much like a psalm, like it should belong in the book of Psalms. And that, not, that would not be an unusual pick at that point <clears throat> because uh, it is a psalm of David. As you know, the psalms are a compilation of psalms that he wrote and others wrote uh, that were part of uh, personal and corporate worship and uh, found their good use there and um, give thanks uh, with a grateful heart that they would fit right in with that theme. so I want to read and it's in a kind of an extended portion of scripture but it really is quite good in um, it's first chronicles chapter 16 I'm going to break in verse 7 and reads uh, read, read a, a bunch of verses so listen well or follow along as the case may be that day David first committed to asaph and his associates, this psalm of thanks to the Lord. And so here's the psalm. Give thanks. Well, I won't sing it, but uh, that that that's, fits right in. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his name. Let the hearts of those Who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done. His miracles and the judgments he pronounced. O descendants of Israel, his servant. O sons of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. The word he commanded... For a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac, he confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. When you were but few in number, few indeed, and strangers in it, they wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another, he allowed no man to oppress them. For their sake he rebuked kings. Do not touch my anointed ones. Do, not do my prophets no harm. <clears throat> Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord. And most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then the trees of the forest will sing. They will, make, they will sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Cry out, save us, O God our Savior. Gather us and deliver us from the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name, that we may glory in your praise Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen, and praise the Lord. And that's a nice little add-on or ending part to this psalm that's there. Now, uh, if you're like me, as you read this portion of Scripture, you can think of about four or five songs that get generated just like that. You know, you can pick up the phrases uh, and uh, uh, the Lord reigns and ascribe to the Lord Almighty ones. Depending on how far back your history goes, you can pull some out. You can probably even pull a few hymns if you really worked hard at it. But the whole theme of that is simply a psalm of gratitude. And sometimes... Things happen in our lives for which we are less than thankful, to say the least. Maybe when you heard the edict or decree this week about increased strengthening of this masking business and new travel restrictions, you just cringed a little bit and you decided I'm going to stand up inside even though I'm sitting down outside. Maybe there's something inside of you that you just wants you to Because we value our freedoms and we, we like to do what we want to do when we want to do it without somebody sticking their finger or their nose in our business. At least some people might think that. Now, maybe you're sanctified and that doesn't bother you, but there are some folks who get their knickers in a twist over that one. <clears throat> At any rate, becoming thankful people is one of the great challenges of the church today that to some degree has become somewhat spoiled. We've enjoyed our freedoms. We have great liberties. Other nations don't know those things. And we become spoiled. we become used to them. There's almost a sense of entitlement, like, like we deserve this. This is, this is mine. I can do what I want with it. And also a sense of self-sufficiency. Like, I can, I can take care of this and we got this kind of thing. The scriptures, however, call us to live life on a higher plane than those spoiled, entitled levels, a higher plane of gratitude. And it's not always easy to be thankful. There are things that come into our world, into our journey, that we just say, oh, Lord, I really would prefer not to have experienced that. I'd really prefer not to have to go through that. It's not always easy, and it's not always natural to be grateful. But it is always appropriate. And this particular psalm just kind of lays out some of those things. And I want to take the base of that psalm and then just go to a couple other portions of Scripture to talk about really a thankful heart, a thankful heart. Now, in some way, it may be preaching to the choir because... Likely that you're here. You've probably already experienced some level of gratitude to God, what he's done in your life, what he's brought you through, brought you out of. So uh, I'm not here to try to hammer on you. I'm here to remind you that the thankful heart is really the key to being able to just kind of go from experience to experience in the journey that God has us on first part of that is simply a reminder that a thankful heart is naturally adversarial. What do I mean by that? In other words, uh, the achieving or the, the, the cultivation of the thankful heart is not always the natural response that we have. There are things that go on in our world and there are things that are about us that cause us at times at least, if not... Always, at least in some degree, to, to be against that gratitude heart, against the thankful heart. I, and I list here just a couple thoughts related to that. First is, it, it's naturally adversarial because of the hardness of human nature. The hardness of human nature. In Romans chapter 1, Paul is talking and trying to present a, a, a reasonable base and a kind of an argument For for why men need the gospel. And in chapter 1, and verse 21 in particular, it says, uh, The things that could be known about God were seen from the invisible working of God, the the creation that is all about him. But but that's not sufficient because there needs to be special revelation, and that comes in chapter 2. But he's saying, He said, even though. uh, even though they they experienced that or they saw that, they did not give thanks. Verse 21 puts it this way. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Neither gave they thanks. It was not the natural thing to do. Mankind perhaps at times gets thankful when he gets what he wants. But sometimes he isn't always thankful for the stuff that he gets because it's not always what he wants. A thankful heart is naturally adversarial. It's, it's natural adversarial because of the habit of human forgetfulness. And I referenced a portion of Scripture in Luke chapter 17, which is a story of the ten lepers who, who experienced healing? They were cleansed, they were healed, they, they enjoyed what they had uh, when they came across or came upon a situation that, they, you know, you know they, uh, they, uh, they experienced the healing of God. But after they were healed, the, the story tells in Luke 17 about only one that came back to give thanks. And Jesus says in the story, he says, well, where are the other ones? Where are the other ones? It's not natural to get to be thankful. You, uh, admittedly, that would be a wonderful thing to be delivered of a physical problem. But sometimes we just forget in life. We forget to be thankful. We, we have to develop or cultivate the habit of the human heart. And then it's natural adversarial because of the hold of the misconception of entitle, entitlement. Sometimes we think we deserve something more. We deserve something better. After all, I'm a good person. I, I, I live a good life. I, I do good to my neighbors. I, I don't I don't take my dog out and have him do a dump on their grass. I, I take my dog out and do on my own turf, and I clean up after it. And so you say, well, I'm a good person from that side. Maybe maybe you're a humane person. Maybe you rescue pets. Maybe whatever it may be. But you can do all those kinds of things. But sometimes we think that we're entitled. I don't want to tell you you're not entitled. But I will tell you that I think you're probably entitled to a whole lot less than you think you are entitled to. Uh, It's naturally adversarial, this thankful heart. It's not something that comes naturally. So when you when you hear an old time song that says that says, doing what comes naturally. For some of you, that just has no register. But the point is that sometimes it's not the natural thing, people. They are thankful when something good happens, but if something tough happens, that's a whole nother story. I don't like that. Where is God? I've known of people who just turned their back on God because they allowed something to happen. We have friends that are going to connect with us and a and, uh, um, family member of, of uh, one of individual. An adult child of theirs is going through a, a real whole tough story. Um, and the father of that adult child has said, Uh, I don't want anything to do with this Christianity stuff because if that's what God allows, I don't want that kind of God. And people come to those conclusions. And sometimes it's because they think they're entitled to everything going well. No problems, no challenges, no hard spots in life. It's naturally adversarial. But beyond that, the thankful heart is unnaturally attainable. You can get there. You can get there with that thankfulness, with that gratitude. It reaches beyond the normal response to the things of life that might cause us to be either bitter or resentful. Those kinds of experiences when things happen. Um, When there is reason for gratitude, there can always be found a reason for bitterness It is here that we're faced with the freedom to make a choice. Both of those things can exist. Unless we learn to cultivate a thankful heart, we become stuck in bitterness, cultivation of that heart. Um, I have kind of always had an interest in, in athletic kinds of stuff. You might not believe that to look at me, but that's another issue. Uh, but I've I enjoyed watching sports and that kind of thing. I I happened to catch some uh, of the uh, girl, uh, girls and guys soccer championships that were held in Hershey yesterday, and uh, one team that was represented was the team the girls soccer team from a school that uh, three of my grandchildren, actually uh, six of the grandchildren, attended in Pittsburgh area. They lost on the last-minute score, but that's beside the point. But but some t- I have an interest in terms of the sports and competition and the skills of athletes. Uh, years ago, uh, there was a, a very gifted receiver uh, by the name of Steve Largent played for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Steve and his wife, Terry, uh, had four children. His career was probably within a 10-year window, let's say, uh, but they had four children along the way, and uh, the fourth, the last of their children, was born with spina bifida, which is the situation in which the, the spinal cord does not fully develop or is not fully closed, and so it creates some real challenges physically to deal with that uh, ongoing impact. When they were interviewed one uh, on one occasion... Uh, the interviewer said, Well, this must be a very difficult thing for you to accept. It must be a hard thing for you to deal with. Terry Largent said this. That was their son, whose name was Kramer. Says this God planned Kramer. Having him in our lives will be one of the greatest things that ever happened to us. Steve Largent then also says, for myself and for my wife we wouldn't change a thing for our son we wish it would be different that he didn't have to live with this but having a child with a disability has added more to our lives than anything else it's given us more compassion and sympathy for other couples facing difficult challenges and and i i don't have any answers for why does god allow one person or one family to experience some of those challenges and others seem to have an easy path or an easier path. All I would say is that you can move beyond any sense of resentment and bitterness because it is a God thing when you understand the perspective that he is able to give you the ability to give thanks even in the midst of the hardest of situations that thankful heart realizes that there's an alternative result. And I I listed some of the things here that talk about uh, (coughs) the normal results. And the normal results might include robbing God of his glory. It might include obscuring God of his beauty. It might involve a darkening of our hearts. It might involve losing perspective where we can have our vision affected. If you came in from the outside cold, had your mask on, you come in and your glasses fog up until you figure out, until they adjust the temperature and (coughs) those things work out okay. Um, The normal results can include those things where somehow God is diminished in the process. But the supernatural difference that, Christ can make, that God makes in our life, is that we come to a place of submission to his sovereign work. When we were reading the Joseph story the other night, again, there's a couple chapters in that, it just came back around that God even used the hard spot of, of being sold into slavery, being put in a compromising situation, yet holding to the truth, but it results in he ended up being in prison, there for two years and forgotten. By the, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. Well, they weren't there. It wasn't that. But, you know, the, the characters in the story. It would be easy to say, God, why did you allow this? And yet, God used that situation to bring him through. And Joseph had to come to the place of submission to the sovereign work of God. His line in the famous line in the story is You meant it to me for evil, but God meant it to me for good. And that's what submission to the sovereign working of God is. It's also finding a place where we can come to the contentment in the sufficiency of God. He is sufficient. He is sufficient for your needs and mine. he He knows your needs. He knows where you're at. And he does not leave us comfortless, John 14 will tell us. He does not leave us without help along the way, in the sufficiency of God. And there is also the supernatural result of confidence in the faithfulness of God, what he has done. We sang it. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Where we get to declare of what the Lord has done for us. And that's supernaturally attainable. Thankful Christians have cultivated a view of God's goodness in which they believe that he can work through all things. In humility, they're willing to accept that their understanding doesn't define God's goodness so that even when things look bad, they find something to be thankful for. So you want an exercise for this day or this week? Take one of the tough spots you're dealing with. Maybe it's a family issue. Maybe it's, maybe it's a physical issue. Take that tough spot and find a, a spot in there, something for which to be thankful, and let that begin to turn your heart toward the Father. <clears throat> it searches, the thankful heart, searches to find the positive in the face of the negative. Now, I I know that we have all these nice cutesy stayings, you know, tough times make us stronger. And that's true. Difficulties give God opportunity to show his power. That's true. It provides a platform for practice when all those tough things come, even with a negative freight to them, we can look for the positive in the face of that negative. And it's all an issue of perspective, what we will allow God to do in us so that our living moves in that right direction. And giving thanks to him moves us in that thanks living direction. The thankful heart is also biblically appropriate. We shouldn't, we should, should, we shouldn't have to try to prove that case. We have to just kind of uh, understand that that's what God allows us to experience supernaturally, unnaturally to move toward the place of gratitude. It was modeled in the life of Christ. And I have to apologize for, there was a, I, I guess maybe in the outline, it's not there, or in, in the paper outline maybe it is, there's a bad reference there in Matthew 16, 36. If you look at it, you won't find that verse. You you look in vain. That, that's apocryphal. That just that doesn't exist. Uh, but, but all I would say, if you looked at Matthew 9, uh, a story there about har- fields right to harvest and laborers, the, field, the harvest is plenteous, but the the laborers are few. So pray the Lord of the harvest, I will send forth laborers. It was modeling the life of Christ when he was thankful for the availability of opportunity as well, and the opportunity to serve. He was thankful for provision and mission. In the Matthew twenty six portion, which is the the passage of the Lord's Supper, he he, he says he says I won't I won't eat of this bread, drink of the cup, until I do it again in the kingdom. And he was looking for the mission to be able to share with others and bring others to. He prayed that others, all the other sheep I have that are not of this fold, them also I must bring. Very much a part of the heart. He modeled that so well. He was grateful for answers even before evidence in the John 11, uh, verses 41 to 44. It's the story of Lazarus. And in that particular, in that particular story, he even before Lazarus comes forth, he comes with a thankful heart. Father, I thank you that you're going to glorify your son through this situation. Even before Lazarus comes out of the grave, out of the out of the tomb, um, he offers thanks to his father and then simply speaks the word. Lazarus, come forth, and the power is demonstrated. It was modeled in the life of the church, and you find it pervasive in the early church, some of which we have encountered in the book of Acts, but I went for a couple other portions of, of stories. Uh, thankful for the triumph that is in Christ uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians 2. He causes us to be triumphant in him. Thankful for the provision of Christ, what he has done. He has provided everything that we need for life and service, for godliness. Thankful for the blessing of ministry, and First Timothy uh, just he talks about I've been given this charge, I've been given this responsibility. I'm grateful for it, and it enables me to convey the truth of God to people beyond just the smaller group that we're working with now. <clears throat> Be thankful for the blessing of the body of Christ, God gives us to one another. And even, even though there are yet a few, I don't know if you picked it up, uh, picked up on that when we read the, the description in, in uh, First Chronicles 16, when I talked about even though there were few, uh, God was still able to work in the whole process. It's not a function of the size of the group. It's a function of the size of our God who works in the group. And that's the key piece at that point. Now you're going to sit together <clears throat> one way or another, probably at this Thanksgiving season, uh, with family or friends. Hopefully it'll be able to be done, and uh, hopefully restrictions won't keep you from being able to do what you long to do. But it's not an obligation. You don't have to. but it's an opportunity. You can do it. It's a privilege. It's a choice even in giving thanks to God in the midst of difficult circumstances. You may not like the current mode we're in, and I don't either. You know, think about people having to mask up or travel or get tested or quarantine. Or maybe, maybe there are things about that that you just, I don't like this. But it's the season that we're in, and God is still able to work through that season, the habit of the thankful heart is to be developed through the practice of responding to God as grateful creatures for what he has done. Paul would say in First Thessalonians, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I remember a long time ago when I was in college, uh, Nyack College, I remember running into a uh, uh, Guy that was on the same floor as I was, and uh, we were we were heading to the shower. Or I guess he was coming, I was going. I can't remember which way it was. And he said, "No hot water again today." And I I don't know. I said, "Well, you know, the scriptures tell us that in all things we're to give thanks." I'm lucky he didn't hit me. You know, <laughs> it was, you know so, so so Anyway, uh, but but at any rate, he said, "Well, I don't think we should be thankful for all things." I said, well, I guess I won't argue about that, but but how, 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 do you, how do you split those hairs? With a thankful heart, we are grateful for all that God has allowed us. Be thankful you have water, you know? Be thankful you have water. Find, find the positive in all of that. And so the invitation to us is to find that spot and discover the, the ability by God's grace to cultivate a thankful heart. Look for those things even in the midst of the tough stuff. Look for those things in which you can find some glimmer of gratitude and a positive uh, look at the negative. Your goodness and kindness to us in the multitude of ways even in a hard spot, even in tough things, even in the things over which we don't have control and we may not like the way it looks or feels, we are grateful that we have life in you. We have eyes to see with thankful hearts that you model well for us. And we pray that in this week, you'll just uh, whisper to our hearts the things we need to hear from you that will cause our hearts to well up in gratitude for all that you've done. Certainly we may be able to say the lines have fallen unto us in pleasant places. Perhaps we need to say, or we would be saying, this is a tough spot, but I'm willing to trust you in the midst of it. We just ask that you would just tune our hearts. The old hymn put it this way. Come, thou fount of every blessing. Tune our hearts, my heart to sing your praise. Do the tune-up that we need for the greater glory of our God. We will thank you for all that you've done and all you're going to do as we rest in you. In the name of Christ, we pray. And all God's people say, Amen, and praise the Lord. And that would work. Bless you. Have a great week.